0: morning. Our call to worship is from Psalm 37. If you'll stand with us, we'll sing it together.
1: Friend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. The Steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong for the Lord upholds his hand.
0: and has promised he will never forsake us. The Lord loves justice and has promised he will never forsake
1: us. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. The arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage shall remain forever. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He's their stronghold in a time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them because they take refuge in Him.
0: The Lord loves justice. We See-
1: together. Gracious father you have gathered us this morning in your love and in your mercy Lord as we come this morning in worship make us aware of your presence fill us with yourself God remind us this morning that we are your sons and daughters heirs of your promises remind us Lord that we are in Christ that we share in your life and glory that we share in your sufferings. Lord, you are the the one who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made yourself nothing. So Father, lead us in the way of Christ in meekness and humility. Give us self-awareness and understanding that we may see ourselves rightly as sinners, broken, as people in need of your redemption and grace. Father, meet us by your spirit in the the places we are in this morning. Meet those of us who are full, feeling thankful and hopeful, taking in your generosity and giving it to others. Lord, meet those of us under the boot of a hard and long work hours, those of us facing loss and transition, those of us in the mundane of another normal week and those of us coming, holding many things at the same time, wondering when our rest will come. Meet us in these places, we pray, with your presence and grace, full of rest and life. Do this, we pray, in the name of Christ, amen. Well, children are now dismissed for children's worship. There will also be a junior high class today, so they're dismissed as well. Well, we turn now to our time of confession and assurance, a time where we turn towards the mercy of God, the mercy of God that actually opens us up, to be honest, to acknowledge with him our sin and our need. So we'll do this together as a, as a church and then have a time of quiet, personal confession. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Gracious Father, give us rest and help us to confess our need to you. for a quiet personal confession. Father, we confess our sin. You know our guilt, our shame, even our regret. Father, your grace is is often disarming for us. Meets us not in those really cleaned up places, those really put together places, but right here when our sins are before us. And may your grace that is eager to welcome us home, that is eager to forgive, may it lead us into repentance and into life. Father, we're thankful that you do this work, not for anything that we have done, but because of what Christ has done for us. We give thanks in his name. Amen. We'll stand now to hear the words of assurance that that come to us from Psalm 46. Please join me. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. As we've been welcomed into God's family, let us also welcome each other in the name of Christ.
0: I'm so
2: The Old Testament lesson is from Lamentations chapter 3, 19 through 26. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. The gospel lesson is from Luke chapter 17, 5 through 10. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith, like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, and dress properly, and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. This is the word of the Lord.
3: Thankful for a chance to worship with you this morning and look at God's Word together. And thank you, Colum, for reading for us. Uh, we're going to continue in our sermon series that we have been doing this fall on the New Testament book of Romans. We've been looking at selections from the, the first eight chapters of that book. And so we're going to continue doing that and looking at a passage from chapter 3. Um, but before I read that for us, I want to start by mentioning that a while back, um, my family, we took a trip to South Dakota. When we were there, we saw the Black Hills, uh, Mount Rushmore, and the Badlands. And uh, I guess the Badlands are what I want to mention in particular. If you have been there, you know that it is a beautiful and a strange place. In South Dakota, you're driving along through the kind of prairies, and the green suddenly gives way to brown. And the prairie turns into this kind of collection of stunning rock formations, dry and rugged terrain, steep slopes and a rising temperature as we walked through there it was almost as if we felt like you know we're on an alien planet that you've left a place that you know into this place that was so strange and we enjoyed hiking there as a family there were some parts that were just you know straightforward but there are other parts that were challenging and so so I want you to kind of maybe try to imagine that there was one place in particular that was especially steep and rugged there was a part where you had to climb kind of a ladder that had been put in to get up to a, a certain spot and then there was a a narrow place that you had to kind of move on a ledge through. Some family members liked that, you know, more than others. (laughs) But it was difficult, and it was hot. But if you continued on this trail, it took you to an overlook. If you continued on this rugged trail, and especially at the end, that was especially steep, and there was rocks on both sides, if you made it up to that point, you got to the edge, and you could see out this vast view of the Badlands see the different hues of brown, see these different rock formations, and it was stunning. I want you to have that in your mind because I think it's a helpful image as we approach our passage in the book of Romans. In Romans, the beautiful view, the the lookout is what the Apostle Paul calls the gospel of God. The gospel of God, this radical gift of Jesus that God has given to us. And it's a gospel that speaks into the questions that we have in our hearts, which is, does does God leave us in our failures, in our misery? Are we alone just with our own resources, left alone with our questions? And this beautiful view that Romans is inviting us to see, this gospel of God proclaims no. No. That God has not left us, and we're not simply left with our resources, but that God has acted in a powerful way in Jesus to rescue and transform and redeem all who would believe, Jew and Gentile, wise and fool. So this is the beautiful vision. But what we've been experiencing in the chapters 1 through 3 of Romans is Paul slowly leading us up the trail the steep trail, at times rugged and difficult to step upon. It's the trail in which our passages keep pointing out the unrighteousness or the ungodliness of humanity. Each step on this rugged trail is meant to show us in profound ways that we desperately need this gospel of God, that we all need God's radical gift, that we all need God's mercy all need God's power to bring new life. So this trail that we have been walking on since the middle of chapter 1 now brings us to our passage. And our passage is this part I mentioned, that kind of steep end. Just before you get to the lookout, there is especially a rugged and steep part leading up to the vision. And that's what we're looking at this morning. So let's look at our passage. This is from Romans 3, verse 9 through 20. It's printed in your order of worship or you can follow in your Bible, let me read to us. What then? Are the Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throats are an open grave, they use their tongues to deceive, the venom of afs is under their lips, their mouth is full of curses and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped. the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. This is God's word given for our good. Well, as we look at this passage and as we kind of envision this moving up the trail and kind of coming to this last part before the lookout, I, I want to ask two questions that will help us enter into it. The first question is, what does Paul want us to see on this path? What does he want us to see? And the second question is, is why is this passage the, the, the final stretch before the vision? Why are these the final steps before seeing this beautiful vision? So let's start with the first one. What, is, what does Paul want us to see on the path? Well, as you probably notice, our passage opens with some questions that Paul, as a Jew, asks What then? What shall we conclude? Are the Jews any better off than the Gentiles? Do we have an advantage? This is part of the larger argument that's going on in Romans. But earlier in the chapter, Paul has highlighted the benefits for the Jewish people. They were entrusted with the very words of God, and they received God's covenant and sign. And so, part of what these questions are kind of maybe swirling around is a possible argument to Paul Paul you say that humans are unjust well we know that about certain you know pagans or certain Gentiles but what about the religious what about those who really care about God what about those who have God's signs or God's law aren't they better off or more righteous or at least less unrighteous than others doesn't my religious seriousness doesn't my religious knowledge count for something And in response paul writes no not at all so the question is what what is what are we being invited to see to continue this kind of image of the trail if you, if you will permit me <laughs> you know you know on the if you go on a hike or go to the park there's certain little signs at times that point out you know look at this formation or you know here's the scientific explanation of what's happening or here's the history and I love those signs. I think they're fascinating. You know, who gets to make those awesome signs? Uh, But so if we can imagine on this trail of Romans, we've been seeing some interesting signs. One that said that humankind has exchanged the truth of God for a lie. That instead of worshiping the creator, we have chosen to worship creation, the things that we hold and make with our hands. There's another sign that says You know, whether you're, basically whether you're religious or not religious, all of us make judgments on others. And as soon as we pass judgment on another person, we've condemned ourselves because the things that we judge them for, we do the same. And now we're on this trail and there's the question of the law and the Jews receiving the law and Paul wants us to see that just because we have God's law, just because we value it, doesn't mean that we're righteous. The righteous is the person who does what is right, not just those who are religious. And so we're invited to see this profound idea that both Jews and Greeks are under sin. Both the religious and the non-religious, if we use those categories, are unrighteous before God and the image here is of sin in this personified way as a cruel tyrant sin is like this cruel tyrant and it's more than just a simple act that we occasionally do something wrong or that we fail at something but here sin is pictured as this cruel power that holds us down picture like this bully that won't let someone up And that all, both Gentiles and Jews, religious and non-religious, wise and fool, all of us are imprisoned under this guilt, all burdened with shame, all under condemnation. And what we're invited to, to see and think about is that we can't get out on our own. That terrible feeling of that we're held down, that something's holding us, that we can't get it off of us. There's a burden that's there that no matter what I try, no matter what plans I come up with, I can't get this burden off of my chest or off of my shoulders or off of my very being. It's into this condition that we're invited to identify and to see. In order for us to to see it more fully, then Paul in our passage puts together this litany of Old Testament quotes, a litany. Let me read it to us again. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. Their tongue, they use their tongues to deceive. The venom is under their lips, and their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood and their path is ruin and misery is is heartache. And the way of peace, the way of living with others, they have not known. And there's no fear of God before their eyes. The question is, is, what is it that we're supposed to see? And there's two things that I want us to see in this litany. First, that sin is universal. Sin, this Bondage and this con- condemnation, this brokenness, it impacts all people. Maybe you notice that the phrase, there is no one, is repeated five times in this litany. There is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, there's no one who seeks God, no one who does good, not even one. In addition, there is this word, all, that's repeated. All have turned away, all have become lost. This is rugged terrain, steps that we might not want to take, but we're being invited to look at ourselves and consider our own struggles. Sin is universal. It is a cruel power over all people, even over those who value God's law and God's ways. The second thing for us to see is that sin is pervasive, meaning that it permeates all of our actions, touching all things. And this is communicated in this litany by the use of the different parts of the human body. That God made us to be in God's image, to show forth God's goodness and beauty and love in the world, but we use our body to bring other things. Their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit, lips spread poison, mouths filled with bitter curses, feet swift to pursue violence and heartbreak, Their eyes look in the wrong direction. It's a chance for us not to look out at the other people (laughs) this is talking about, but to think about our own mouths, our throats and our lips, and ask what comes out. Do our words build up or tear down? Do they speak truth or manipulate? Our feet, What is it that you and I, what are we chasing? What are we pursuing? What are we going for? In such pursuits, does it push others out of the way or bring hurt or does it restore them or acknowledge them? And where are we looking? Where are we fixing our eyes? For the suggestion here is that wherever we would look, whatever we see, that is what we will become like. The litany is not saying that we, or that humans are as bad as possible, or that we always do the worst possible thing. No, what it's saying though is that we are all unrighteous, unjust, unfaithful. And that it is universal and pervasive, such that every person and every part of our humanness is twisted and touched. This is what we are invited to see. This is why the path is rugged and steep because it's not easy to see these things in ourselves. We are quick to deceive or justify ourselves, but we're invited to see them. And so having seen them and having seen this display on the path in front of us, we can ask the second question. Why is this the final stretch? If this is leading us to the edge where we can see that the beauty, a beauty even greater than the badlands, why is this the final stretch that we have to walk? Do You notice after the litany, there's kind of a few sentences, a few closing statements that Paul gives to us. There's a summary. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. In Paul's day in the ancient, ancient setting, if you were on trial, when you had nothing to say or nothing more to say in your defense, you would put your hand over your mouth. This would be a sign that you had nothing else to say. And here the image is being applied to where he began his passage, that all, Jew and Gentile, wise and fool, religious and non-religious, are together on the stand. Have you kept the law? Are you just? Are you righteous? Have you loved your neighbor as you love yourself? What Paul is suggesting is there's nothing more to say that what is right is for us to put our hands over our mouth before God. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, has a section where he's reflecting on law and how we think about things, and he writes, Every one of us has heard people arguing, quarreling. They say things like this. How do you like it if anyone did the same to you? That's my seat. I was here first. Why should you shove in? Give me a bit of your orange. I gave you a bit of mine. <laughs> or come on, you promised. He says that people, children, and grownups make statements like this all the time. I'm sure that we could add in maybe some of our own or some that we hear our children saying, that's not fair. I would never have done that. I think of some other things to say. Well, C.S. Lewis suggests that in these statements, one is appealing to a standard of behavior which he or she expects others to know and to follow. Yet he, he continues, yet this year or this month or more likely this very day, we have failed to practice ourselves the kind of behavior we expect other people to practice. Of course, there may be all sorts of excuses. That time you were so unfair to your children was when you were really tired. Or that slightly shady business that you did about the money came when you were very hard up. And what you promised to do for your neighbor and have never done, well, you never would have promised if you had known how busy you were going to be. Lewis invites us to see that we all have expectations for how, how we or others should act, but we do not keep them. And as we think about standing in the, before God, let's like reflect on, acknowledge, if we can't keep our own expectations, if we can't keep our own law, then let alone how will we keep the law of God? We are all unrighteous, all lawbreakers, even by our own standards, let alone by the justice and the righteousness of our creator. See, it's in light of this verdict that Paul wants us to grasp that no human being will be declared righteous or justified in God's sight by observing the law. See, this is how it ends. Any attempt to be declared righteous or establish a good standing, or have peace before God and others by keeping the law or by your performance is doomed from the very start. If I claim I'm religious, I have the law of God, that very law convicts us, saying you have broken me, you have not kept me. But if I say I'm a good person, look, I'm not like others, then my very own standard, my own judgments stand against me. See, why is this the final stretch? Why is this the final stretch? Because we're invited to see, and this is important, we're invited to see that our standing, our peace, our freedom from shame, it must be a gift. It has to be a gift to us. It cannot be accomplished by our good works. It cannot be... Arrived at by our performance, any type of standing that will endure, any type of peace that will withstand life, any type of rest must be a gift. This is the only way out from under sin with its power and shame and condemnation. As we close, remember, we opened with this image of the Badlands, of making our way up this trail, this hike to this beautiful lookout. Well, next week in the next part of Romans 3, we'll see the lookout. But the next verse, Romans 3, chapter 3, verse 21, it says, But now, now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus to all who believe. You see what it's saying here? All, both Jew and Greeks, are under sin. But now the faithfulness of God has been made known. No one can be justified by works of the law. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. The righteousness, this justification, this peace, this new standing is given through faith in Jesus. This is the good news and the vision that we're invited It's worth us looking at our own depravity, our own need. It's worth us seeing and being honest about our mouth and our feet and eyes because we're being led to a place that will be peace, not resting on what you and I have done yesterday or today or promised for tomorrow, but based in the gift of God to us in Jesus, a gift that is greater than our sin and a gift that will endure. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. We thank you even when it's challenging to us, when it speaks things that are hard to hear, that you do so to invite us into new standings, new peace, a new relationship with you by your grace. And so we pray that that would be the case today, that we would not be left in our shame, but we would come and find new rest as your sons and daughters in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Will you please stand with us? We'll sing together. is e
3: my God, you are rich in mercy and steadfast and loving kindness toward your people. It is good and right that we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. May be seated well having heard God's word we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people whenever we come and participate in this table it's a chance for us to remember how it is a gift that God gives us in Christ and as we heard in our passage uh, if our standing if our place in God's family if our peace with God is a gift then this is a good opportunity for us to remember that in God's family, there are not different levels. In God's family, it's not that some of us, you know, are okay. And other of us are just really lucky to be here. In one family, one faith, one baptism, one Lord. The truth is that all of us are unworthy before God. All of us have no standing if we're standing upon our own performance, and that our place in the family from beginning to end is a gift of God given to us in Christ. And this table is something for us to see and to hold and to taste that tells us that truth. Our place at the family meal, it's not because of what we've done or what we will do, but because of the broken body and shed blood of Christ for us therefore our place is secure now and forever because of Christ so if you have faith in Christ if you know of your need before God and have placed your faith not in yourself but in Christ then come eat and drink for this table doesn't belong to me but it belongs to Christ and it's for all those who would follow him if you're not a follower of Christ we're we're glad that you're here and we we hope that this table would be a witness to answer or speak to the question of who is God and what is God like God is one who welcomes sinners into his family by his grace and calls them sons and daughters. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this table, and we thank you for your spirit that meets us here. We thank you for this bread and cup. that Remind us not only that you are our creator who give good gifts, but our recreator who brings new life into places of death, who brings forgiveness into our places of guilt, who bring security and peace into our places of shame we pray that we'd experience that through your spirit and that we'd walk forth in new ways as your people we ask this in jesus name amen on the night that he was portrayed after giving thanks jesus took the bread and he broke it saying this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Those who are helping serve can come forward at this time. Um, I'm going to invite everyone to come down the center aisle and receive the bread and the cup, and you can go back on the sides. Uh, we ask if you're able to hold the elements that you would hold them so everyone's been served that we can eat and drink as one family and if you're not taking communion we we still invite you to come forward if you just put your arm across your chest uh, pastor brian or i can offer a prayer of blessing for you here at the front come down receive these gifts from god Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. In response to this table, I invite you to stand and that we can pray and sing uh, as God's people together. Lord Jesus Christ, you have made known to us the loving kindness of God, and that we are saved not because of our righteous works, but according to His mercy. With thankfulness, let us proclaim the mystery of faith. together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Um, We're going to continue uh, worship through giving of our gifts to to God and to the work of the church It's a response to God's generosity. So I want to invite forward uh, the greeters. There's a a basket that will be passed first that you can put your communion cups in if you'd like, and then there's the uh, offering plates that will follow, um, so you can come forward and and do that. Uh, Also, I just want to take a moment to say uh, hello again. If you're visiting, especially, we're really glad that you're here, that you've joined us uh, today. Um, there'll be a time of coffee and bagels after the service it's uh, will be right outside these doors um, and so hopefully you can stay after it'll be a chance just to spend time together get to know each other better have some some coffee on a nice fall day and uh, I also just want to take a moment if you are uh, visiting or relatively new to the church um, we'd love to hear from you and have you share your contact information uh, in the order of worship there's a QR code in the back that you can, you know look at and fill out online but also pastor brian's holding up a little the connect card in the back on the back table there is a, a physical paper you could fill out with your name and email and whatever you like to share with us uh, we'd love to be able to follow up with you or send you the, the church's weekly email it goes out every tuesday so um but if you have questions please reach out to me as well um yeah so please take this with you and have a chance to think about how you might want to be involved in the weeks ahead let's continue worshiping the giving of our gifts
0: with us and join us in the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him
3: God's blessing. Just a quick reminder: there is youth group today. It's over at the community space at 11:45. So all the junior high and high school students are invited to go. Receive now God's blessing. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. Go in peace. <laughs>